Americans have been using and abusing natural resources at absurd rates, with less than 5% of the world population, some people say it's 4%, the US uses a third of the world's paper and a quarter of the world's oil and 23% of coal and 27% of the aluminium and 19% of copper and I could go on for a while and all that was just 4 or 5% of the world population. The per capita use by Americans of energy, of metals, minerals, forest products, fish, grain, meat, wheat, whatever you can, can mention, even fresh water, dwarfs that of people living in the developing world. And it's not just that the US stands out in, in comparison with the poor countries of the world. If you compare it with some, some big Western countries, then American fossil fuel consumption is double that of the average resident of Great Britain, and even two and a half times that of the average Japanese. So why is this all relevant? Well, I wouldn't mind at all if you lived on your planet and I lived on mine. But that is not the case. We, we share this one planet and that has finite resources and we're here with about 8 billion of us. And Americans account for only those 4 or 5% of the world population. I really have to check the number. I think it's just less than 5. And they create half of the globe's solid waste. This is a number that I just looked up that was from 10 years ago. It may be a little bit less now with, with the growing of China, but still... Uh, it will not be a dramatic change. And this wasn't always like this in America. If you, if you look at the past century, between 1900 and 1989, so basically the whole 20th century, the U.S. population tripled in size, but its use of raw materials grew by a factor of 17. So not only have luxury goods become part of our basic standard of living, it's also that we're buying them in much larger quantities. So take, for instance, owning a color television. That used to be really a big deal, you know. I, I remember when I was young that, that my grandfather was the first one that had a color television. Terrible colors, by the way, but it was the first color television. And that was really a big thing. And then in the early 1980s, when it became affordable and it was, they, they were just, uh, they, they, were, they were sold all over the place, then if you look at poor households, 40% of the poor households didn't have a single color television. But now, almost 70% of the poor households have at least two color televisions. And if you take data for 2019 and you look at the median transaction account balance, so basically... That is, if you take your checking and your savings, if you combine your checking and your savings account, how much people have, the median for an American family was only just above $5,000. And it's, it's been going down in the early 90s. It was more that, that people had like $10,000 on their account. So I find it, and I, I, talk, I know I'm talking here from a European perspective, and you might say, who, who am I as, as, as a non-American to, to judge you or to talk about this? But I just find it hard to understand that there's a need for multiple color televisions when, uh, it, when, when the Federal Reserve is estimating that about 40% of the American adults won't be able to cover a $400 emergency. So they, they have no cash or savings or there's no credit card charge that they could use 
if they whatever have have some kind of emergency that that tomorrow they need four hundred dollars and uh, th these are data from from just four years ago I, j I just looked them up so that's amount of consumption while there are so so little savings is very hard to understand i mean of course i could talk from an environmental perspective and i'll probably do so soon but also purely from a financial point of view and of course i'm representing here a country of savers i mean people in in the netherlands are saving always money they're not investing it they're saving it so we're sitting on, on 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 a pile of money which is probably financially not the best thing to do but we we try to be safe so i come from the other end of the spectrum looking at these things but let's look at food i mainly want to talk about food today and um if if you look at the past 40 years uh, in america then uh, or let's take a 40-year period if we if we look from uh, 1970 to 2010 and then if you look at the consumption of calories by the average american it has grown with 23 percent over those 40 years um, if you look for instance at the use of sugar the average canadian where i'm living at the moment i'm european i live in ottawa at least at, at, at the moment uh, the average canadian uses 90 grams of sugar per day and the average American uses 126 grams of sugar per day. And if we look at waste, and now I'm briefly going to close the door because my cat is complaining. She probably heard me talking about food. And now she's screaming downstairs, and that is taking away my concentration. The door is closed now. So, um, going, that's the advantage, by the way, of calling. You can just walk, walk away from your studio, just just wearing the iPhone. But let's look at waste, because that's another one I wanted to mention, and, and especially food waste. So the average American produces 1,700 pounds of garbage per year, which is three times the global average. And although the United States accounts for only 5% of the global population, as I just, just mentioned, it is responsible for 12% of the municipal solid waste that is created. And historically, uh, what the U.S. has been doing is just ship a lot of that trash to other countries. Now, recently, in the past few years, especially the, the East and Southeast Asian countries that were receiving that waste said, you know, we, we don't want that anymore. And they just stopped receiving that waste. And, uh, and now it's, it's becoming more of a problem in, in the Western countries. Now, China and India, if you compare that, they account for 36% of the global population instead of these 4 or 5% of the US. But they generate only 27% of all waste. So 36% of the world's population lives in those two countries, but they produce only 27% of all waste. So that compared to the 4% of Americans and 12% and of the waste that they are producing. So these are these are staggering numbers and we're talking only about one country and then if you combine the two what i just spoke about if you look at food and if you look at waste the united states discard more food than any other country in the world we talk about 40 million tons so so that is that is 8 billion pounds every year and that is estimated to be 30 to 40 percent of the entire u.s food supply and 
that is equal to about 220 pounds of waste per person. Now, food is also the single largest component taking up space in U.S. landfills. It's 22% of municipal solid waste. Now, before COVID, uh, it was estimated that 35 million people in the United States, and that includes 10 million children, suffered from food insecurity in the most wasteful food um, uh, food country in the world. And that number is likely has likely increased during the COVID days. I don't have the latest number, but one estimate was up to 50 million people uh, because of the drop in employment and the financial fallout. But now under the Biden government that is creating more jobs than any American president has done, uh, at least since the Second World War, um, uh, I, I suppose it, so it, it, should, it should be somewhere between uh, 35 and 50 million people that, uh, that, 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 are, that are hungry, that have food uh, insecurity. So with so many people suffering who need basic amounts of food, why, why do Americans waste so much of their, their abundance of food that they have? And more than 80% of Americans discard perfectly good consumable food simply because they don't understand these expiration labels. And living, having normally lived in Europe, where they are much more clear in what they are saying, I notice here in Canada how impossible these labels are. I never know what what date, uh, what the date is, or e even if I see the date, I don't know what it means. And the United States is no exception. It's got all these things like sell by or use by, or it uh, expires on, or it is best before, or it is best by. I don't know what all these things mean, and I'm actually somebody that has worked in this field. Um, so people are so afraid that they will get some kind of illness from the food that they just throw all their food in, in, in the garbage. And um, then the worst number is, of course, that during the pandemic, the number of people in the world that are chronically hungry has grown from something like a bit more than 600 million to more than 800 million people. Uh, so that is, that is way more than, than uh, twice the population of the United States are, as we speak, hungry. Now, another data that I want to mention in, in, in this whole comparison is that if you look at the use of the agricultural land in the world, 60% of that is used for the production of beef. But beef accounts for less than 2% of the calories that are consumed throughout the world. So we spend an absurd amount of agricultural land on producing something that we don't really need. And in doing so, we are extremely wasteful. We are destroying rainforest uh, to, to grab, uh, grab more land, which we need for climate, uh, to, 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 for, the, for the climate mitigation. And we need them for all kinds of other functions, including uh, for, uh, for, for keeping the biodiversity intact. And uh, we're using enormous amounts of water and energy in producing all that beef. 
and you really you don't need beef i i haven't eaten it for ages and i'm still alive so i'm the living proof that you don't need it to eat beef or any other kind of animal but if you're if you, you don't have to be a vegetarian but if you if you realize that you have to eat less less meat then start with beef because beef is is really killing the planet and and uh, also killing a lot of um, a lot of cows uh, that are living in horrible uh, situations often they're not the happy cows as you see them on the on the packaging of your food now um, imagine all that water and all that energy that is used to produce all this food that is then thrown away it, it is just what a waste what an what an inefficient thing and i often refer to the historians in a hundred years from now imagine you're an historian hundred years from now you're writing a book about this moment in time that we are living now and you're describing these kind of numbers what a weird planet we have we we're talking about globalization and you can fly basically anywhere within 24 hours and everything's connected by internet if you send an email within a second somebody on the other side of the world can read it it is really one small place it is one one tiny beautiful planet and then we are wasting in in such unimaginable ways and we are we seem to completely ignore those people that whose countries we're flying over when we book our next ticket to the sun and who are who are hungry and who are less than less than half a day away from us and I find this really, really hard to, to understand, this kind of world that we are living in now. So what you could do, you yourself, when you, when you listen to this podcast, is just don't throw away food. I never do. Well, I, I hardly ever do. Okay, there is, I don't know, a few times a year, maybe something goes, goes wrong or I bought some fruit that when I, when I look better at it, it's actually already rotten or something. But... I hardly ever throw any food away. It, it's, uh, I, I would be surprised if it would be, would be more than one pound um, a day, which is way less than the 220 that I just mentioned for the average American. And that is an average that includes uh, those uh, 35 to uh, 50 million Americans that, uh, that don't have enough food. Uh, and I suppose they are not throwing it away. So it's a matter of planning. When you when you go to the supermarket, just make a list in advance and just buy the things that are on the list and don't buy all those impulse kind of shopping, especially while waiting uh, before uh, before you have to pay that you throw in extra chips and candy and whatever that you that you really don't need. Um, it's better for your health as well, and it's uh, it's also better for your wallet. It saves a lot of money, and we just saw the numbers of what the average American actually has so i think these are uh these are quite quite some numbers to think about and and while we are still in uh in the week of uh the the report of the intergovernmental panel on climate change that came out the third report and i already had a few podcasts about it um i think that is uh that there's there's a few more things to say about it and i see a comment coming in from Sasha saying that food is getting so expensive that I'm trying to use it as a teaching moment to get my multi-generational family to do better at selective purchasing and consuming. And that is a really good point. What we will see 
uh, is that food prices all over the world are spiking. And there's a number of reasons for it. I was not planning to talk about it, but just to mention a few. The most obvious and the most immediate one at the moment is the crisis in Ukraine, because we stop Russia from exporting, and Russia has a lot of problems on its own. Um, and uh, Ukraine uh, will... Uh, not at all deliver the kind of harvest it would normally deliver. It's it's not yet clear uh, how much harvest we, we can expect there. And food prices worldwide are all connected. So the fact that these countries will deliver less food means that food prices all over the world uh, will be spiking. And there's a number of other reasons. Increasingly, um, climate change is playing a role. There's more and more areas that uh, are just getting too dry or sometimes too wet and just uh, the, the uh, harvest is just flooding away. Um, so we have, uh, we have less uh, production of food over the years, and, and that will be a trend combined with the fact that the quality of the soil is rapidly, rapidly deteriorating. Now, there are some positive developments in, in that, uh, in, in, let's say, the... Uh, better, better plants and crops uh, that are being being developed or or genetically uh, manipulated that that can lead to uh, to to a, to bigger harvest. But it's it's far from enough to compensate from all these negative trends that are going on. And com compared to all this, uh, there's more people in the world. But more importantly, uh, we have more people joining the middle classes. Um, if there's more people living in a country like Somalia or Ethiopia, that doesn't that doesn't make much of a difference. But if uh, in a country like China, which is extremely successful of lifting people out of poverty, so in the past decades they they lifted 400 pe 400 million people out of poverty, so they were eating hardly anything, and they are now middle class. They have now an apartment. They have that color television that I mentioned. And uh, they are also going to eat uh, meat instead of instead of just just uh, wheat or, or or beans or whatever they were eating. Um, uh, that also means that so the demand is increasing while uh, the supply is not keeping up with it. And and then on top of that, uh, the, the 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 horrible war in Ukraine. So um, yeah, maybe as Sasha is saying, that has a a positive effect. Uh, that uh, people are becoming more conscious about uh, about their their behavior because I I think what uh, what what we are doing in the Western world in general I don't want to talk only about America is it's just it is just so unfair on this planet where uh, the differences between the rich and the poor are so absurd and I guess there will come a moment that. The poor people in the world that now, however poor they are, see now perfectly well on the internet how rich other people have it in other places in the world, that they are not, no longer accepting this, this, this injustice. And I think we as, as the West should be much more generous in, in helping those countries and also treat them much more as as equal human beings and i i believe that uh, that we are that there's there's so much more that we can do in that field and in what you can do here at home well one of the things you can do is changing your eating habits i already said 
um, uh, change your shopping, just shop less, um, eat only the food that you need, eat much less meat, or try not to eat meat at all. Uh, but if you do, uh, then 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 stay away from from the red meat, and that is not only uh, for the planet; it's also much better for your own health. And that is that is another thing that there's a lot of things actually that we need to do for better for treating our planet better, which also means that we are treating ourselves better. I mean, an an interesting example is, for instance, uh, the United Kingdom during the Second World War. They had enormous shortages they they were living on on the convoys that that uh, that fdr was sending over the over the ocean to 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 keep the british alive um all the food was uh, on on in all kinds of uh, distribution schedules you need to get stamps and 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 things and whatever it was it was all being distributed at the end of the war the average Amer the average uh, british uh, person was healthier and better off and in a better uh, better way they were better fat uh, than they were before the war so these are these are really interesting numbers to see so when you force people to eat healthy uh, they actually do so so what it what it demands is some discipline and especially people that are a bit better educated and that that read their articles it is just worth investing a bit of time in how you can live more healthy and then you see that your own healthy living goes hand in hand with more healthy living for the, the health of the planet uh, as well as for the animals involved so there's there's uh, there's a win-win-win uh, situation um, and i i hope that more people will do that another thing i want to mention here is uh, but uh, stop me if i go on too long but another thing is just consumption in general um, we own so much stuff and we keep buying and and the average american has seven pairs of jeans um you, so you can you can if if you would only wear jeans you could still wear another pair every day why do you need so many um uh, this this fashion is especially an example i mean this constantly buying of clothes and and uh, the number 7 also comes back in the fact that the average um a piece of clothing that is bought is worn only seven times. I I find that really weird because I don't. Uh, but that is that's again that's an average. So that that means there must be people that use it even much less than seven. And uh, everything that you buy, everything that you look around you in your home, every single thing that you see has been produced, uh, raw material had to be collected for that, that had to be transported, a lot of water was used. Then it went to a production site and the thing that you're looking at right now uh, was produced there. Then it was again uh, transported and uh, with uh, use of, of, of fossil fuel energy most likely. And at a certain moment, you will throw it away and it will probably end up in some kind of waste. Or if you're unlucky, it ends up in the ocean and is swallowed by a fish or whatever. So do you really need all of that? And uh, isn't it also a bit sad that you derive happiness from spending money, money that could be used so much better in other ways? Um, so when you... When you buy things, be be clever in what you do. So, for instance, um, I don't have a, a printer at home. 
for the simple reason that I think a printer there's a lot of technology in there and a lot of um, a lot of money and a lot of um, uh, raw material has been has been used in producing it and then you have all these separate ink cartridges that are likely extremely polluting and I would hardly make use of it so when I need to have something printed I just go to staples as it's called here and I pay 10 cents and I make a print and I'm passing that anyway so I'm not spending any extra energy on it um, so those are things like do you do you really need it and I think that's a good question to ask with everything that you ask yourself before you do that and um, I see another comment here coming from from Sharon uh, oh Alex Americans need to do better and I'm truly trying that's really good to hear Sharon good information uh, the sun is about to go down in Arizona and I'm going to spend my 30 minutes outside <laughs> okay so it's uh, thanks for for joining Sharon and uh, and enjoy the sunsets in Arizona they're absolutely stunning and um, another thing is using your energy use at home I mean how many lights do you really have to to put on and especially for Americans because I do come a lot in America please move to to LED bulbs I mean we we all did in Europe in Europe you you really don't see those old heat uh, producing bulbs anymore everything is light bulbs nowadays but in America when I'm in an American hotel I just feel the heat coming off of off the lamps when I'm in in the bathroom and that is something that I I haven't seen in Europe for the past 10 or 15 years anymore um think about what you do with your garden that's another one um you can uh, uh in, instead of just making it a big lawn which is basically a kind of desert uh, try to put local plants and trees in there and there was in doing that you make it much more biodiverse and it actually also helps uh, with the cli climate and another thing you can do for the climate is um, uh, doing uh, by buying your stuff local um, try to buy locally produced stuff it's on the one hand good that you support your local community but it also means so much less transport and just go to a farmer's market and likely on a farmer's market they have also used less uh, pesticide, uh, pesticide so it's also more uh, organic and yeah flying is of course one I mean I have um, for family reasons I'm sometimes on one side of the Atlantic and sometimes on the other side but what I do is when I fly and I only fly economy even if people pay a business class ticket for me I refuse it because business class tickets uh, take three times as much energy uh, because they take more space than economy class so I fly economy class uh, and if I go to the other side of the Atlantic I stay there for like four months to do everything I have to do in in Europe and uh, then I uh, come back to uh, to to um, to the North American side again instead of flying up and down constantly as I see other people doing so it's not that you shouldn't fly at all but just try to reduce it and then once you are in America or once you are in, in Europe and once you are on a continent just use trains or buses but any kind of form of, uh, of public transport so um, yeah and there's so much more you can do I mean recycling is another one um, in the Netherlands 
in the home where I live there, we separate in, I think, seven different boxes of waste. So we have one for uh, organic and trees and things that come from the garden. Then we have one specifically for plastic. And then there's uh, a third one that's kind of rest waste. And then there is four that is paper. Um, then five is one for batteries. I have a separate one for light bulbs. And I also have a box where I keep separate uh, paint and, and uh, kind of paint products that are related to it. Um, so that's I, I separate in, in seven different categories and all of them are treated separately. And that is, of course, something you cannot really do on your own. You need to work with your municipality on that. But um, that is that is another thing that you can do. And um, you can... Uh, another thing is using less palm oil. Uh, the palm plantations are just ruining the planet. Uh, and probably by the time that you're having had your breakfast, you have already used like four, five, six, seven products with palm oil it's the the soap that you use and the uh the the toothpaste that you use and the and the butter that you that you're using and all kinds of of food that you have on your table all contains uh palm oil and palm oil is really a killer for the planet it's it's destroying um the the rainforest of the world and those are the lungs of our planet that we really really need um, so there's um, another thing is just don't let um, going back to electricity don't don't um, let all kinds of electricity leaking away to all kinds of chargers that you're not really using a good rule of thumb is that if you just touch them with your hand and you feel that they are warm even if they're not connected to whatever your smartphone or something but if they are still in and if they are warm then the fact that they're warm means that they are using electricity. So it's it's easy to just put a kind of switch in between or or take them out. Um, but I have a lot of those those switches, so I just switch on the charger before I start uh, charging. So those are yeah. There's just so many uh, so many ideas. If if you have any questions, by the way, just uh, just raise uh, raise your hand. Um, Another thing is, of course, everything else related to transport. I already mentioned flying, um, but why not take a bicycle And for all short distances? And for a lot of longer distances, uh, why not take the train? You can just, you know, do your work or read a newspaper or whatever you want to do. And it is so much more efficient than just driving in your car. Um, so in the field of transport, there's really a lot you can do and especially in America, where everything is, is created for people to use their car, um, it, it, it is, it's more difficult to do because you don't have the infrastructure because cities are built in America, except for maybe a place like New York. But let's say an average American city is constructed in such a way that it is practically impossible to do the things that you, that you want to do without your own car because there's not much public transport uh, at least incomparable to the way that uh, that we see it in Europe. Uh, there's no cycling lanes, and uh, also the drivers are not used to have a cyclist in the street. So it is really, it is, it's a challenge if you want to do it differently in America. And I know that we are 
uh, we're kind of spoiled in euro but having said that it is not that it's by some kind of miracle that this automatically happened in 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 a country like the netherlands if you see pictures of the netherlands from the 1970s when when i was growing up there were traffic jams everywhere everything went by car and all these old cities that often have a medieval street pattern were completely traffic jammed and uh, of course with car that, cars that were much more polluting than they are nowadays and uh, and then the government the the people really started to protest against the governments and then the government started new policies and then now if you see european cities i just this morning uh, uh, if you if you look on twitter the tweet i shared this morning of the, this little girl um, on her little bicycle in rotterdam who was racing together with a, a police car uh, for fun if you just look at at the rest of that scene which was not the reason why why i posted but if you just look around you see how much space there is on this wide road there's hardly any cars you see people cycling you see people walking and that is also uh, not just because we have cycling lanes but it's also because of the functions of the city are more combined so living working recreation um, uh, cafes and restaurants cinemas all of that is shared in a region so you often any any kind of thing that you need like going to your work or going to the bank or going to uh, to a shop or to a cinema all of that is normally in in walking distance when i lived in in the center of several cities in the netherlands i often even didn't use my bicycle because i could just just walk everywhere and i know that in american cities again new york is a big exception at least manhattan uh, but in in american cities you often have like the central business district and there's only business you can maybe find a starbucks or so if you're lucky but that's all and then you have other areas where people are only living and then you need your car to go to kind of out of town uh, shopping center and uh, and that is the way these cities are constructed and i just hope that now during the pandemic that we learned that we can do with much less offices that that might not only lead to less transportation because a lot of work can be done from home of course not all of it and it also depends on your job i mean if you're whatever if you're a doctor it's much more difficult to do your work from home uh, than uh, than if you're a writer for instance or a journalist um, but that is one thing but the other thing is that a lot of office space will probably no longer be used so uh, why not come with a plan that you use that former office space for other functions where you where you come more to a kind of combined city living as you see in Europe so that uh, if you make from those former offices if you make schools from them or if you uh, make uh, shopping centers for them or especially if you make uh, apartments out of them so that people can repopulate uh, the the central parts of the city you can create much more uh, dynamic and safer and more pleasant uh, city so I, I i think it will be really interesting to follow what is what is going to happen in let's say the next uh, five or ten years or so because these developments take time of course
So, um, well, these were just just some ideas. Um, as as I said, this is uh, the kind of talks I do in the weekends. They are much more unprepared, uh, much more spontaneous. It is more the kind of things that I've been reading about, and then one or two things that pop up in my mind to think, well, okay, I'm just sharing this for you. Um, my uh, my other podcasts are normally on uh, the Tuesday and the Thursday, uh, the ones that. Uh, many of you have listened to uh, with Vanessa Champion on uh, Greener Living. That's every Tuesday at 11 o'clock Eastern Time. Then on Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time uh, is always the podcast with Alistair Doyle. More, more on general uh, environmental issues and all kinds of other issues that pop up. Uh, this week I'll also be uh, podcasting live um, on uh, Wednesday, and that is in the morning at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, with Bas Berens, who is uh, working for a really interesting initiative, uh, which basically comes down uh, that they are creating small containers, let's say about half the size of a sea container, and that is producing both electricity as well as uh, clean water, in uh, in many uh, developing countries, they're they're going to uh, uh, to set them out. They've already produced a number of them. So this is a startup. It's fascinating to to listen to what he's working on. So that is on Wednesday at ten o'clock, and most likely I will be back uh, tomorrow again. I see somebody just joined now on the internet. You you just uh, arrived too late. Uh, please come back on um, when I've uh, published this one, which is probably in. Uh, in 10 minutes or so and um, and I'll be tomorrow probably in late afternoon Eastern time I'll uh, I'll be back uh, with another podcast and if you have ideas on what to talk about let me know because I don't know yet but there's always something I want to talk about thanks so much for for listening have a great um, evening have a great weekend and I hope to hear you back soon thanks so much bye bye <music>